Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you very much for watching. This is Brain Dream Connor McCann, and I'm your host, Connor McCann. So, as I stated in the introduction to my last video, which was called Foreman Grills, Meth, and the Perception of Time. And if you haven't checked that video out, check it out, please. I, I appreciate it very much. And in that video, I said I was doing a couple of shorter videos that are just kind of little personal stories, little just entertaining stories about different facets of life in San Francisco before I do kind of a more involved, grander project. And I didn't necessarily get into what that grander project is, but it's a project that is a video on the history of the Mission District. And the Mission District means a lot to me. I spent a lot of time in that neighborhood. I made a lot of friends. I fell in love in that neighborhood. I've had just a lot of personal pain, just a lot of just senseless moments. They saw things that didn't make any kind of sense in the moment. It took years to kind of figure those things out. There's just a lot of history for me there. And I want to tell that story of the neighborhood from the arrival of the Spanish up to the dot-com boom. So that's a couple hundred years of history there. Some parts of history, particularly the, t the timeline from the 1960s onward, there'll be more focus on that. There'll be no a lot of focus on some of the neighborhood dynamics, where people came from, different parts of the countries that they originated in, where those people come from when they came to the neighborhood. Irish history in the neighborhood, Italian history, Latino history, just I want to cover all bases. So that's going to take some time to do. In the meantime, I want to leave you guys with some content. So as I said in that video, I'm doing two videos and this is the second one. I also said that that video was going to be short and it ended up being like fucking almost 30 minutes long. So we'll keep this one short and we'll just cut straight to the point and we'll set the scene for you guys. So on this day, it's the year 2007, and I'm still living in my old neighborhood. I'm still living on Cortland Avenue, but there's a big change. A lot of the stories that I've told so far are kind of from just earlier in my life, and that lifestyle that I was living just in those earlier years, by this point in my life, I put it behind me, and there's a pretty significant development in my life, which the year before, in 2006, I had a moment where I came to, just to just put it blankly, I came to believe in a higher power. I won't get into that too deeply. Like I said, I want this to be a short video. So I, I have a video planned just for that whole process. And at that point, I was kind of a studious guy. I was reading a lot. I was reading a lot of different books, a lot of books on geopolitics, history, things of that nature. And in 2006, I started studying different religious faiths as well. And as I just continued my studies and I got to learn more, I identified with Islam more and more. And by this point in my life, I considered myself a Muslim. And on this day in 2007, I'm just going to work. It's a normal work day for me. I work out in the Richmond district and I'm just on my way to work. I'm a tax paying citizen. I try to break as few laws as possible. I'm not really looking for problems. I'm not trying to get in any fights. I hadn't been in a fight by this point uh, for some time. I'm just trying to just go about life the right way. I'm on my way out the door and for some reason the 24 is not running and the 24 is the bus I take to go out there it's a bus I'm very familiar with that I used to take to middle school sometimes I used to take it to high school especially for both high schools I went to the 24 was part of that process pretty familiar pretty comfortable riding that bus and for some reason on that day I couldn't take it and for the folks that are watching um, you guys might not be aware but San Francisco just every part of the city, once geographically, it's a pretty small city, but it's interconnected by the bus system, by the public transit system. Downtown, 
there's a, a train system that connects downtown and towards uh, Daly City and down into the peninsula, there's a train system that connects San Francisco to most of the other parts of the Bay Area. And there's also a train system that connects downtown to the rest of the city. My family didn't have a car until I was about 14 years old. So everything we were doing, we were riding the bus. And I can say that at that time, sitting down on a bus, like being on a bus period was pretty much my least favorite place to be just in the whole city. And it's also worth noting that once I left San Francisco behind, once I left the Bay Area behind, and I moved to a place called Boone in North Carolina, it's in Western North Carolina, like they had a bus system there that would pick people up that lived in the city. Like they had stops and everything, same way that we do back home, but it was for people that lived in the city or worked in the city and it was free. Different lines would go to pretty much, Boone isn't that big of a place, it's about 20,000 people. So the bus system covered a lot of this and I'm cool. I lived total like maybe a five mile walk round trip, like two and a half miles there, two and a half miles back. It took me about 45 minutes each way. I would do that walk early as fuck in the morning and there was like no sidewalks for most of uh, over there. So I'm kind of walking in the street and negotiating cars. I saw a coyote like you're <laughs> like negotiating animals and shit. I would do that. And there was one day, I think it was like two or three degrees, but with the wind chill, it was minus 30. I still said, fuck that. I just walked to work. And it was because I fucking hated taking buses. I was done with the bus. And even in super sub freezing temperatures, I would still rather go outside. Like I could feel the, the coldness burn me. Like I had to have a ski mask on. I probably should have wore a couple pairs of pants. Like I could feel the cold burn me. I'd rather that than to be sitting on a bus. And if there was a bus that I wanted to be on the least, it was the 14 mission. So the 14 covers a lot of territory. It goes all the way from Daly City. So it leaves the city and it goes all the way down, all the way downtown, all the way down Mission Street. Like Mission Street is the old El Camino Real. It's the old uh, like Spanish highway. So it covers a lot of territory and the 14 goes through all of that. It stops every stop. It's always kind of packed. There's always something going on. And as far as the stuff I've seen on there, like the, <laughs> I've seen somebody definitely pee on themselves back of the bus you see the the river flow underneath their leg definitely people barfing definitely people detoxing definitely people retoxing uh i've seen people get jumped on there seen fights like seen people get stomped out pretty bad uh on buses period but there people getting jacked people getting banged on like i've seen all those things like there was you know growing up riding the bus having to take the bus everywhere Sometimes there might be situations or you might see somebody, you might say, hey, you know what? I think I'm gonna get off this motherfucker now and either take the next one or uh, walk the last couple of blocks because I don't wanna be on this bus with this person anymore or with this situation that's developing. And as an adult, I can only remember doing that one time and I was on the 14. There was a dude behind me and he was saying, yeah, if you wanna kill a vampire, you just have to stab it in the eye. And I'm hearing all this shit. I was like, oh, this motherfucker might think I'm a vampire at some point. Let me get about here. That was taking the 14. And on this day, I had to take the 14 to work. And you know, when you got on the 14, or at least I felt like I had to, I, even in the 2000s, like even in the late 2000s, like the Mission District was still experiencing a lot of issues. Like I remember my favorite uh, pizza place shut down because somebody got killed there. I believe somebody got killed at Papa Petrero's 2007, 2008, sometime around that time. 
uh, in a gang-related killing. And there was a lot of that going on at that time, but there just seemed to be kind of a general insanity that came with the crack uh, epidemic and writing the 14 was the full manifestation of that in the 90s. So you still had to be on point in the 2000s and the late 2000s, but it wasn't like it was in the 90s. So when I got on on Cortland, I was always paying full attention to just whoever else was coming on, whoever else was on there. If you're seeing somebody talk to themselves, if you see a couple of guys plotting on somebody else, if you see a couple of guys plotting on you, I always wanted to be aware of stuff like that. I'm not gonna say that I had my full attention on every single person that came on or everything going on, but I kept constant attention to what was going on just around me. And at 24th, I saw a guy get on and he had like a Giants hat like this, but instead of the, the SF logo being orange, it was red, black and red. He had on like a black button down shirt with red streaks on it, a big black like pea coat. And it was hot that day, like it was hot. I was wearing a t-shirt like this. It was hot and he had this big black pea coat on, some baggy pants and some Jordans. And that was almost at that time, like you can see it if you watch the movie La Mission, you see a couple of guys get on the bus that Benjamin <laughs> Benjamin Brad is driving and they get booted off by him. And I've seen a lot of stuff that's like a San Francisco type of stuff in movies. That was the most accurate San Francisco thing I've ever seen in my life was those two guys that got on 24th and they had the radio. He came and kicked them the fuck off the bus. They, in that movie, they were dressed like how guys that hung out down there dressed. And this guy was dressed that way as well. That's essentially how younger Nortanios dressed at that time. Like you didn't see people wearing like a ton of red, like back in the day you would see somebody with a red hat, like a, a Joe Montana or a Jerry Rice jersey over a red like hoodie and some khakis and some red shoes. Like it wasn't really like that by that point. I think there had been an injunction on 24th Emission. Guys couldn't even really hang out. Like right, right there like they used to in the 90s and times before. They couldn't really do that anymore. And just the colors, People still found ways to represent themselves. And it wasn't like back in the day where you saw guys that had Mongolians or they had this or that. Like now it was kind of common to have longer hair, long hair, pull it back in a ponytail and wear like a hat over that or wear like a beanie, especially like a beanie with like a brim. That was pretty common, that was a common look. So this dude had that look and he came and he just sat down right in front of me. Like I was facing this way, he was kind of facing this way. And it was whatever. He just sat down, took his seat, and the bus proceeded along. So a few blocks down the way, we stop at 18th Mission, and I see a guy get on. He's got like, he's kind of a shorter guy. He has a shaved bald head, mustache. He has a really baggy uh, hoodie on. He has really baggy, like black hoodie, really baggy pants, and he has some white Nike Cortez. Like the white Cortez with the black swoosh on him, he has those. And at that time, and for times, previous like that was pretty much almost like the uniform for the guys that hung out on 18th mission 16th mission the sureños that's pretty much how they dress so this guy gets on and the dude that's in front of me is on him he's mad dogging him he's staring at him and for whatever reason the guy that just got on at 18th kind of ducks his head and just keeps walking and the guy in front of me follows him with his eyes all the way to the back of the bus and he waits for the guy to sit down He's looking that way, and when he's done looking, he looks over and he sees the tattoo on my arm. He looked at the tattoo, he kind of like nodded what's up to me, and he said, Assalamu Alaikum. 
I'm not gonna lie, he, he kind of caught me off guard with that. And it took me a second to like register what, cause a different entirely, like just a very, very different situation with a lot of not cool outcomes was just unfolding right in front of me. And he hit me with the greeting. Took me a second, you know, while like them salam, we start talking and um, he asked me, you Muslim? And I said, yeah, he's like, me too. You know, I'm Palestinian. And he asked me like, what are you? I said, I'm Irish. And he was like, for real? Like, he's like, you look like you could be Lebanese or you look like you could be Syrian. And from the time I started learning about Islam, converting all these things, I've heard these type of things before. And I've heard them from, it's funny because I never hear them from the country that they're from, but it'll be like the next door country, oh, you look like this fool, but you never look like one of us. So like a guy asked me once, he was like, are you sure you're not like half Turkish or something? It's like, nah, man, like not, not at all. I'm just, I'm, I'm just me, you know, I'm, I'm a guy that converted. So we're talking about that. And it's funny because he was, he was really tripping off the fact that I was an Irish Muslim, but he was forgetting the fact that he was a Palestinian Norteño. To be honest, a lot of people would be surprised at both. They would be surprised at the Irish Muslim, they'd be surprised at the Palestinian Norteño. But to me, the fact that he was Palestinian, it wasn't really that surprising at all. He was far from the first Palestinian or Arab person, uh, Lebanese, Syrian, whoever. He was far from the first person from the Arab world that I had met in the neighborhood. And I would actually known Palestinian kids, Lebanese kids since kindergarten. These kids were friends of mine. We'd grown up along this, just in the same place. Like I kind of realized that the elementary school I went to, it included people from all these different kind of geopolitical hotspots as kids. So Palestinian kids, Nigerian kids, Cambodian kids, Filipino kids, Vietnamese kids, Northern Irish kids, Arab kids. All these different places, you know, kids from El Salvador, kids from Guatemala, like kids from Mexico, in all these places where these things were happening, they all ended up at my school and we all kind of grew up together. And I grew up with a lot of just Arab friends and I made even more Arab friends as time went on. And just kind of just to show you the, just the diversity of San Francisco, I knew a lot of, you know, Arab kids growing up, a lot of Palestinian kids. I did not know a single Arab Muslim. Everybody I knew that was Arab was Christian. They were Catholic. And I knew more Muslims from Cambodia than I did Arabs. And it's just, we have had and continue to have so many different types of people, so many different types of people come to live in the city that despite the fact that the majority of the world's Arabs are Sunni, you know, they're, they're either Sunni or Shia Muslim. Everybody I knew as a kid was Christian. I'll also add that it wouldn't surprise me to encounter a Palestinian that spoke Spanish because I already knew a Spanish-speaking Palestinian family. So my karate instructor that I talked about in the episode, I kicked the shit out of somebody, which uh, maybe third on the list as far as best titles as far as <laughs> I'm concerned, but I kicked the shit out of somebody as a kid and it was in karate class and the person that led the karate class was a Palestinian guy named Mauricio Lama who was originally from South America. So, I mean, it's uh, it's pretty common knowledge that the Middle East has seen a lot of geopolitical turmoil, a lot of 
happenings between countries, a lot of happenings within countries. And it's not something that's new. That's if we want to talk about just in the modern era from maybe the time of the Industrial Revolution onward, you can say from the 1850s onward, there have been a lot of people to leave the Holy Land, the Fertile Crescent, whatever you want to call that stretch of land that, that is the Middle East. There have been people, millions of people who, and especially since like 1948, like figure 1948, 1967, 1976, 1982, these were all years prior to my birth that saw a lot of people leave because of geopolitical happenings within the Middle East, particularly in the Holy Land, in Palestine and in Lebanon. These things were occurring at that time and people went to a lot of different places. A lot of people just went to the countries that were right next to them. So figure I had friends that were from Lebanon, but they were Palestinians who became refugees. Might not have even been within their lifetime. It could have been a couple of generations prior and their families had lived in refugee camps in Jordan or had lived in refugee camps in Syria or especially Lebanon before they came to the US when especially Lebanon in the 80s, a lot of things were happening and a lot of people had to leave. That's its own. Like I said, I'm trying to keep this episode short, so that's its own thing. But a lot of those people from the 1850s onwards ended up in South America particularly. And a lot of those people came to speak Spanish. So like I said, even if this guy was speaking Spanish to this person, if he wanted to bang on the guy and it was in Spanish, the fact that he was Palestinian, I wouldn't find that surprising. And when I would be around my instructor, my, my Sifu's just family, it was really cool to see because they could start a conversation in Arabic. It would end up being spoken partially in Spanish at some point, partially in English. And these guys could weave in and out of the conversation in three different languages and keep things coherent, talk, all the emotion was there, all the just, there was nothing robotic about the process. They could just speak so many different languages. It was really, really cool to see as a young kid. But as I said, you know, for a lot of people to encounter this guy on the bus, it would be surprising. But not for me because I grew up in the neighborhood. I grew up around these folks and it was just nothing that uh, I would even really take note of until kind of years later. It was like, it, it was an interesting situation. And I'm glad, I can say that I'm glad that nothing happened between this guy that got on at 24th and the guy that got on at 18th because it's like that sometimes, you know, so not not every day is everybody Rambo. Some people are never Rambo. Some people are Rambo every single day, regardless of what they have going on. They can have their kid with them. They can have their girlfriend with them. They can have their mom with them. They see an enemy, they're going to get on them. For everybody else that's, you know, a normal person, just a human being, that's what these people that gangbang are. They're just normal people. They're everyday people. They're caught up in this for a multitude of different reasons. Some of those reasons fairly complex, some not. But... They're living this lifestyle and it's not like every single day you leave the house, you just want to kill everybody you meet. For this guy, he could have been going to pick up his kid. He could have just had a conversation with his mom about his grandma and his grandma's in the hospital. Who knows, it could have been all kinds of things that just had him in a mind frame to where he just needed to ride the bus and get off. And I'm glad that instead of this guy having a moment where he could have changed his life, he could have changed the guy from 18th's life, he could have changed my life because they could have been getting into it. If this guy had the kind of, uh, I don't know, urgency about the gang politics that the guy that I talked to seemed to have in the moment, things could have happened. One of them could have pulled out a knife, one of them could have pulled out a pistol, one of them could have just thrown a punch and I could have ate it instead of the person they're trying to hit. 
that's just I mean that's just close confines we're on the fucking bus like there's nowhere for me to go and the fact that this guy decided just to walk to the back I'm not looking down on him for it it is what it is I'm sure he had his reasons to just say not today I'm not interested I'm not on that and instead of this guy doing anything to him what he ended up doing was just having a cool conversation about Islam with a, a recent convert and he actually ended up telling me about a mosque I could go to that was down in San Bruno they have good brothers you know they do the sermon uh, which is called the Kutba. they do it in English there's a lot of different types of people you wouldn't even be the only white guy there which I'm used to being the only white dude I really wasn't tripping off that but he wanted to reassure me and he really wanted me to feel like this was a place that I could go to I didn't have transportation to get there I could you know definitely talk to somebody they'll come get me they'll come pick me up they just want me to come on Friday so that's what we ended up talking about instead of this other ugliness that could have arisen And ultimately, we were so just caught up in that discussion that when the guy who looked like he was a Sureño, when he got off the bus at Market, this guy I was talking to didn't even notice him. Like, he wasn't even in that frame of mind. And it's, it's very possible he could be both. He could equally be a good Muslim and be a good Norteño. Like, he's doing his neighborhood duties, making sure, you know, he's noticing anybody getting on the bus and assessing what they're about. And he's also reaching out to a new convert and uh, telling him about a really good mosque down in San Bruno, which I never unfortunately got to go to, just for whatever reason. But that is the duality of man sometimes, and that is the duality of the neighborhood. I feel like the Mission District has a lot of misconceptions, and even that lifestyle has a lot of misconceptions. And part of the reason why I want to do the video is just to elaborate on some of the facets of life from a guy that's just right up the street, the guy that had some of these things unfold in front of me, that was never too far removed from any of this stuff. It's really hard not to be when you're a guy that hangs out outside, you're a young kid, you're gonna encounter it at some point, one way or the other. That was me, I wanna tell those stories from a place of not glorifying some of the things that have happened, but maybe explain why some people might have gotten caught up into that lifestyle, even if they are, at heart, good Muslims. So, that story's coming soon. I wanna thank you guys very much for watching this one. And I'll be back at you guys with that history of the Mission District, so stay tuned. Thank you very much.